Welcome to The Dirt with Justin Beckner, where we cover everything from Wilmington College to the agricultural industry. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Justin Beckner, and we're hopping into another episode of the Senior Send-Off. Let's get into it, where Caroline tells us about her experiences at Wilmington College and the time she spent in the agricultural industry. Um, my name is Caroline Leggett. I'm a senior here at Wilmington College, um, a third year senior majoring in agribusiness and policy, which is actually a self-designed major um, that I did my first year here on campus. Um, I found my path into agriculture through involvement in 4-H and FFA. Um, I was heavily involved in other extracurriculars through high school, but those ones stood out the most to me. Um, and my family raises meat goats in Johnstown, Ohio, um, and that's something we've continued to do throughout my time in college. Um, and here at Wilmington, I've been super involved. I've had two campus jobs. Um, I've worked off campus and done multiple internships and been involved in Greek life and other organizations. So I've really enjoyed um, all the involvements and opportunities I've had here on campus. Okay. Um, and tell me, are your meat goats, what, is that what you showed in FFA and 4-H? Yeah, and I showed meat rabbits as well. However, my focus was definitely on the meat goats or boar goats. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know a lot of people that have that as experiences definitely are influenced to be in ag afterwards. And so I wasn't sure if the family operation was what you did in 4-H and FFA. Um, but what brought you to Wilmington? What was your push and motivation to come here? Um, I was exposed to Wilmington when I was in fifth or sixth grade. I attended Little International that um, our Aggies and Collegiate 4-H host each year. And I got to learn more about showmanship and show animals that I wasn't familiar with. And I was kind of starting to think this could be a place that I could see myself attending, especially if I want to go down the path of agriculture. And so through high school, I searched a little bit, but it was pretty clear that this was the place where I belonged. Um, the small school environment and campus community really was proven to be a facilitating factor in success and you know, being able to do more past college and um, be successful in life overall. So I thought this was a great fit for me. Um, it wasn't too far away from home, but it wasn't too close and that was an additional factor, but I am thankful I found my way here. Okay. Now, are you the first one of your family to be here at Wilmington or did you have anybody else here before you? Um, I have not had any of my family members attend Wilmington. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see why people choose for the very first time to come here. Um, a little bit about myself. I've had a couple of my other family members attend Wilmington. So it was interesting to see why some people chose to come that may have not had that previous family member come and didn't have that experience. But that's really cool. So as far as your time at Wilmington, what would you say your greatest achievement is? Wow, that is a very difficult question to answer. I think there's been so many wonderful opportunities that have led to a lot of achievements, um, and I, I don't really wanna take all the credit for those. But my freshman year, I joined Sigma Alpha, which is a professional agriculture sorority here on campus, and really found my place there. Um, I was actually selected as new member of the year for Greek life um, for, freshman, for the freshman class coming in in 2019-2020. So that was really exciting, and I moved on and was Sigma Alpha's national new member of the year that um, year as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, I maintained pretty high grades throughout and definitely have opened my eyes to new learning experiences and opportunities that I never would have thought. And I think that's an achievement in itself. Okay, yeah, that's really cool. And there's definitely a lot of things that I know we can touch on, but can you tell me a little bit more about your time in Greek life and the experiences you had there? 
Yeah, I think there's also a really negative stigma around Greek life associated with college. And I think that's a shame because I know that I wouldn't have been pushed out of my comfort zone here on campus if it weren't for joining Greek life. I was encouraged to travel. I was encouraged to meet new people. I was encouraged to volunteer in the community um, and build bridges with different departments on campus even. So I think that was something that was crucial to my college experience being what it has been. And I'm thankful for that. And I hope that people continue to push back on that negative stigma and realize the opportunity and growth that can come from Greek life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, you know, I'm looking to get involved in as well. Would you say that some of your favorite memories have come from Greek life, or do you have another favorite memory that's outside of that? I think a lot of my memories have come from Greek life. It's definitely hard to narrow down, like, this is my favorite memory, but I've had so many wonderful opportunities, and like I said, we've traveled and done things like that, so you get a lot of memories when it comes to that, but I found my best friends um, being in Greek life. I lived with two of my sisters last year and one of them this year, so I'm thankful for that because it's given me that friend group and... Um, giving me people that are going to be in my life the rest of the time in my life. Yeah, so as far as your time at Wilmington, what would you say the biggest thing as far as your time here has stuck out comparative to other colleges? Like what's something that you say, walking away from Wilmington, I'm going to have this comparative to somebody that went to another college? I really think Wilmington does an excellent job of one, providing opportunities. I can't stress that enough. I don't think I would have ever had the opportunities that I've had here elsewhere. Um, but two, giving a global perspective that um, kind of opens your mind to some things. Doesn't necessarily change your beliefs, but makes you realize things and makes you appreciate things differently. But also understand what's going on across the globe and the challenges we're going to face as human race and you know more in particular agriculture. We're facing a lot of challenges globally as well, and I've appreciated that. Um, and just the connections that I've made. A small school environment fosters so many personal connections that it's almost unbelievable. I can't even comprehend the connections I've made here in my time at Wilmington. What would you say your favorite experience was? I know we were talking about small connections and the things that you have a little bit more on one-on-one -on -one with other students and faculty. What would you say your favorite experience is as far as that? Um, I think... You know, when you have a professor pull you into their office and, you know, talk about, I have this opportunity for you. Would you be willing to take part in that? And for me, it was women in agriculture. That's such a great initiative across campus. And I've been a part of that for all three years that I've been here at Wilmington. My first year, Monty Anderson, he pulled me into his classroom. I'd had him in a couple classes at that point. It was late August, early September. And he said, I have this committee of females that are in the ag department and we're looking for a freshman to come on and kind of learn the ropes so you can take over it, take over the program in the future. And so I jumped right on board and I had meetings with Monty Anderson at 7 a.m. throughout the week with some of my friends that were also on the committee. And I learned a lot through that. Um, and, and we got to hold a great event that year and continue it into the next two years here where I was committee chairperson following that time and, and going through COVID and things like that. But it definitely exposed me to a lot of challenges, but opportunities to learn and grow um, because of that one-on-one -on -one connection. And, and like I said, just getting called out and being encouraged to participate or step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually gonna pick your brain a little bit more on that, just because as I'm here on campus more and more, I learned so many more things that I never knew. Can you tell me as far as women in agriculture, like what you personally did or like what the committee got together for? I mean, just give me a little bit of like, who they are and what they're doing. Okay, 
So um, we've had nine events, I believe, consecutively. Um, the purpose of Women in Agriculture is to hold an event each year where all of our females in the Agriculture Department are invited. Traditionally, it's some sort of panel or speaker um, that has been successful as a female in the agriculture industry, and they come in and they give us life advice and tips and career you know, guidance and things like that that are so essential to us as we enter a male-dominated field. And so my first year, I helped with some of like the logistics and, you know, food preparation and basic decorations and things like that. And then moving forward, you um, gain more responsibility and you start working with, you know, we need this for thank you gifts and thank you notes and we need this speaker and we need to reserve um, this location for this time and work on invitations and get the rest of the department involved. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that I don't think everyone realizes, but it's a great opportunity and it gives, you know, a great moment for women in agriculture to stand up and recognize the challenges we face, but the opportunities that we also have. That's really cool. And I like seeing organizations that go out of their way to make sure that they're doing the most for those that they're serving. As far as serving goes, was there ever an officer team that you're involved in, or was that something that there was just a majority of the people, hey, we're just going to get this done, and that's the way it went? I think that um, it depends on the organization. So, like, for Women in Agriculture, our committee was kind of our officer team, um, but I have been on several other officer teams here at Wilmington. I'm currently the Agronomy Club president, so we specialize with our agronomy students, but also all agriculture students, because I'm obviously not even an agronomy major. Um, and we provide opportunities in the field of agronomy, and we do a lot of speakers and tours and things like that, but we also work on giving back to the community. Another example would be, um, I was on the Aggies and Collegiate 4-H officer team last year, um, and we've held several service events, such as the Aggies judging contest, and this year we're working on Little International um, here in the next couple weeks. So those are some different service opportunities that you get pulled into. Um, also just the honors program, you're encouraged to serve there, um, and, and some other things like that. Okay. So I never heard of Little, Little International before this. Um, and I know you said that you had done it, and that's like one of the first times you come here to Wilmington. Can you tell me what it's like as far as being a student coming, doing it, and now being a college student who's bringing those other, you know, younger students in? Yeah, so when I was younger, I think I always had an interest in exposing myself to new experiences, and Little International was just that. You come here, you don't bring your animals, you just show up and show a tire, and you get to show goats, sheep, beef cattle, dairy cattle, um, horses, and at one point during my time in Little International, we also did swine, but with biosecurity issues, they um, decided not to continue with the swine in sure. the future years. But it was such a good experience, and. I got to see these college students running this event and taking on these leadership roles and managing the logistics and that was inspiring to me when I was younger. Um, coming back as a, a student at Wilmington College and a member of Wilmington College Aggies and Collegiate 4-H has been different because um, two years ago the event was canceled due to COVID and we were unable to hold the event last year continually because of COVID. And so this year is the first year we can really bring it back in person. And there's so many people that aren't really familiar with the event. So I'm kind of getting looked at as someone who can provide advice and guidance about the event and how it works. Um, so it's kind of a lot of pressure, but it's a good opportunity. And I'm so excited that we're gonna bring it back because like I said, you know, without that, I wouldn't be here today. Exactly. And it's really cool to see those full circle uh, moments when you're like, hey, I was here, now I'm on the opposite side, and I get to see both sides of what's going on, and that's really neat. 
Now, I know as far as COVID goes, a lot of people are sick and tired of hearing about it. They're like, let's just be done. Let's move on. I understand everything completely. But I'd like to take a little bit of a positive spin on that. What's one thing that you took out of COVID? Like, what's one thing that you're like, you know what? Through all the difficulties, all the struggles, I walked away with this to say, hey, I've gained a skill. I've gained a new friend. You know, what's something that you've taken away? I definitely think there's a couple things. Um, first, I learned to appreciate the slowdown. My entire life has been go, go, go. I want to be involved. I want to be doing everything I possibly can. And COVID put a halt to a lot of that. And that was hard at first. But looking back now, I'm glad that I realized that I can rest and I can take a break and step away from things. And unfortunately, it had to be forced for me to learn that. But I think that was a really great learning moment for me was that, you know, there's greatness in slowing down. You can do more when you take that break. Um, another thing is just the appreciation for family. I, I grew a lot closer to my family during that time. I was home a lot more and then I came back to school and I didn't want to go home all the time because of concerns with COVID. And so when I was home, I really valued that time with my family and I, I'm thankful for that now. Um, and then just patience. It, it was a lot of patience overcoming those challenges and struggles that we faced during that time and the uncertainty. And I had to learn to embrace the patience that was necessary to overcome. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that it took the world by surprise. And when I got hit with it, it was my senior year. And I was that first senior class that didn't get the right graduation or didn't get what they were expecting. And so the community outreach was huge. And being able to see how much the community truly cared about you, not saying that I didn't know before, but man, when that outreach happened and people were trying to throw us parades and give us everything that we, they possibly could, seeing that community outreach has always been huge. And, you know, one of my friends, as you were talking about, about slowing down, had mentioned to me once, you're like, just enjoy the red lights. Like, what do you mean enjoy red lights? Um, I'm stopped. I'd like to keep going. And they're like, but if you stop and just look around, you know, I mean, you're on this like mind numbing drive, just stop, enjoy a red light, look around, enjoy the people, enjoy the other cars, enjoy sitting in your car, thinking about the things that is going on outside of what you're doing right now. It's definitely something interesting to take into perspective of, well, we can stop, think, and learn, and do some things outside of our normal routine, and sometimes it's forced, right. <laughs> but other times, it's uh, when it happens naturally, it's really, really healthy, and I definitely agree with you on some of those experiences. That's something that I've learned from myself, is to stop and slow down and truly value what you have around you. I know you brought up family, and I know earlier in our conversation, we were talking about your operation and growing up. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've grown up with and what you've done as far as a livestock FFA 4-H kind of world? Yeah, so um, I was an only child, which was a little bit unique for a lot of the 4-H families in my community. Um, many of them had multiple kids that are out in the barn working livestock and feeding and all of that. But a lot of the responsibility was placed on me. Um, my dad helped me a lot, obviously, too, growing up as I learned the ropes. But by the time I graduated and aged out of 4-H, I was able to fully function the operation by myself, um, especially when I wasn't in school through the summer, that was helpful. But that was a learning experience for me and it gave me a lot of responsibility and determination to keep working and you know, it pays off at the end when you see those projects go on the sale truck and, and move on. But um, and, and more of the logistics of our operation, um, we've had anywhere from 10 to 50 head of boar goats at any time. We breed, we've also, purchased some of our show stock. Um, it's kind of been a mixture, but I learned how to raise show stock from the time they dropped on the ground as newborns to the time they 
went on that sale truck like I mentioned and so that was a really great experience um, you know we didn't do anything just to win we did everything to learn and to work and to grow and that was so important and instilled so many lessons in me as I grew up and I, I'm so thankful for that now because it wasn't just throwing money into projects to win all the time it was learning to work for what you had and and that was really important to me um, in terms of my 4-H experience I held several officer positions I was really involved in my 4-H group um, I was a member of a GOATS primarily 4-H club we were called GOATS or us so we didn't have a whole lot of projects other than GOATS and that that definitely allowed for more learning and growth in terms of how to care for those projects and show those projects um, and in FFA I was a committee chairperson um, I kind of had to take the breaks on some officer roles there just because I was so involved in sports and other extracurriculars through high school and I do kind of regret that now but I, I am thankful for the time I took in my other extracurriculars as well um, but with all of that I still was able to compete in the state science fair I have my state degree my American degree and all of those things as well so I'm thankful for my time in FFA as well yeah that's really cool and that's something that you know I was in FFA and 4-H as well and I can definitely relate and you know I wasn't as far as goats go I wasn't involved in that side <laughs> of the industry but I did pigs and you know I'm very fond of the memories spending some time in the show ring and working those animals and it was always about the lesson and not so much about the banner and that's something that I think a lot of people have gained and I think it's a lot of those leadership skills that we've talked about um, that have really come into play so as far as um, what you plan on doing afterwards uh, before we hop into that can you tell me a little bit about you said you're a three-year member uh, or three-year student senior sorry um, can you tell me a little bit about that are you technically a junior graduating early or what how exactly did that work out I came into Wilmington College classified as a sophomore. Um, my senior year of high school, I took advantage of College Credit Plus program and attended um, a university full-time as a senior in high school and gained so many credits through that program, which was wonderful. And it really helped me out coming in here and made me more prepared for college overall. Um, and so I came in as a, so as a sophomore and have finished up. I've actually been a senior for like a year now. <laughs> so I could have been done this past semester, but you know, you have to cherish these moments here on campus. You don't get college back. And I think there's just so much growth that happens on a campus community that I didn't want to miss out on more than I needed to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those things that I think more and more people are starting to be able to graduate within three years. And hey, more power to them. That's less that you have to put that time into it. The earlier you can start your life and honestly, the more opportunities you have. And so, hey, if you can get it, go and get it. So would you say as far as taking those CCP classes or those uh, College Credit Plus, um, what are some things that you'd recommend for somebody that, you know, they're potentially thinking about those or they might be in high school right now looking to come to Wilmington? You know, what's something that, did you get super involved in them or you just took a couple? I mean, tell me a little bit about your experience there. Um, like I said, I was full-time, so I was considered a full-time college student as a senior in high school. Um, it's a lot of time management, it's a lot of responsibility. I spent a lot of Saturday evenings and you know Friday nights doing homework and working on projects for those college classes. And so it's, it's a lot of responsibility and dedication. I don't think a lot of people realize that. They see it as, oh, it's a free college class. You know, I'm in high school, let's take it. But you have to realize the work that goes into it and be ready to take that on. And I think a lot of people miss that. But if you are capable of doing that and ready to take on that responsibility, I'd say go for it. It's it's such an amazing experience and it helped me mature a lot quick a lot more quicker just because I was, you know, in class with students who were 
anywhere from my age to 22, 23, 24 even. And, you know, that gives you some different perspectives. It also exposes you to a college classroom, which is very different than a high school classroom. And I came to Wilmington and it didn't even phase me to be in a college classroom in a lecture hall. That was something that, you know, I was kind of comfortable with. I was used to, I was ready to take notes on my own and study for exams without a full study guide that you might get in high school. And so I think there's a lot of benefit to it. Um, and you know, it just, it ups that responsibility. And I think anytime that you're upping your responsibility, you become more of a leader, you become more dedicated, you work harder and all of the beneficial things that come with that. Okay. Yeah. And that's something that I was able to take a couple and I definitely saw the benefits, but Hey, an entire year full and getting that head start, that's really, really cool. So now you're in your senior year, you're getting ready to go off into the big real world. Uh, what do you plan on doing and what, uh, what direction are you headed? See, if you would have asked me this question three years ago, I, as I came into college, I would have said, you know, I'm going to go to DC and I'm going to work on Capitol Hill. I'm going to work in legislation and, you know, specialize in agriculture. That's what I want to do. And I've spent some time in DC. I've had the opportunity to travel and you know, lobby in DC and do those things. And I realized that I love being in DC, but I can't live there. I want to be out on the farm. I want to be working with farmers and I want to be their voice. So that requires me to be, you know, in the fields, but in DC too, and maybe splitting that. And so, um, at this point I've signed a contract with Winfield United, which is a branch of Lando Lakes, um, like the butter company. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're, it's working in agronomy research, um, particularly sustainability. So I'm really excited for that. I'll be moving to Iowa in June. Um, I'll be a member of the associates program. So that's a two year program that really just helps you find your place in the company, find what you want to do and the path you want to go down. So I'm, I think that'll open a lot of doors and a lot of experiences that, um, will make me realize some things that I haven't even thought about before in terms of a career. So I'm excited for that, but I also plan to be heavily involved in those organizations like Farm Bureau and Corn and Wheat Growers Associations and things of that nature, because that's where that voice comes into play. And that's when you go to DC and you make a difference for the industry, for the people that you care about and for the people you're working with every day. Absolutely. And that's really cool. That's really cool to see that you're going into, you know, an industry that's going to make a change and you're going to be making those uh, big differences. So as far as making the differences, what would you say Wilmington has done to help prepare you for that? Or what skills have you gained to help better yourself for that? I think just going back to that global perspective, if you understand the challenges and the solutions that are proposed to those challenges, it's going to help you have a voice. It's going to help you advocate for that change to happen in order to overcome those challenges. Um, More specifically, like I said, I've been on these lobby trips and I've worked with legislators legislative members and things of that nature. And so I've learned to speak in that political format that's gonna really change, you know, the policies coming through and maybe some of the perspectives of our lawmakers that are, you know, impacting our daily lives. And I think that's really important. And just having the confidence uh, as a high school senior, like I struggled to sit in an interview and feel confident in my answers and what I was saying and my discussions with people who were older in age than I was and had more experience than I had. But here, I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid to sit with a senator or congressman and tell them how I feel and tell them my story and why it matters. And I mean, that can be applicable to every aspect of your life. It's not just lobbying and advocating for what you believe in, but just having the confidence to say what you believe and be firm in it and be sure of what you know. Yeah, that's really empowering. That's really, really empowering. So as far as I know you said you've done some lobbying, and I know that you said you're not afraid to, you know, go out there and tell them what you think. 
So I want to know what you think as far as what do you think the biggest issue is facing the agricultural industry today and maybe, you know, 20, 30 years down the road? <laughs> oh my, that's a deep question. Um, there's just so many challenges, but there's so many solutions too. So I don't want to take this in a negative approach by any means. I think the biggest challenge is reaching the point of sustainability. Sustainability is going to be an ongoing topic. It's going to keep going. You're never going to perfect it. You know, you're going to have these goals and you're going to reach them, but then you're going to set another goal to be more sustainable. And we have to do that in order to feed this growing population. I mean, we're going to hit 10 billion people on this planet by 2050, which is, you know, just astronomical to think about how are we going to feed these people? We have decreasing land, decreasing farmers, our resources are being depleted very quickly. And so we have to be smart about what we do and we have to put a lot of effort into researching and finding new opportunities um, to be more sustainable and produce more with less and you know, do what's best for our climate and our environment and keeping things like diversity and you know, those sort of things to keep our environment healthy are gonna be so important, but we have to find sustainable measures and we have to put the dedication into that. And that's, I think, slow coming right now, but I think once it picks up speed, we'll start getting there a lot quickly. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And I think the sustainability is such a big issue as far as making sure that what we're doing today is not going to affect our grandkids, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. We're gonna say, oh shoot, hey, we shouldn't have been doing that. Do you think as far as precision agriculture and the other advancements in technology, do you think that's really making the right step in the sustainability or do you think that's something that still needs a lot of improving? I really think it's a, it's a big step. Um, the struggle with that is going to be adoption rates. I know a lot of our farmers and our, our agriculturalists are adopting this precision technology, but is it affordable? Is it accessible? Do we have the rural broadband to make this sort of technology function in the field and those are important questions and they go right right along with that sustainability piece like we have to think about that in policy are we making these policies so that they you know provide the avenue for all of the sustainability innovation and precision technology and things like that to come into play and i think that's going to be important as we move forward and something that we need to keep in mind as we're speaking our minds you know to state legislatures and our national legislature and things of that nature Sure. And one thing that I know I've always run into is we have a small family farm where we grow produce and different vegetables. And one thing that I always get asked is, well, is this GMO? You know, is this this plant GMO? How's it been raised? Are you guys organic? So on and so forth. So my question is, as far as the consumers wants needs and um, things that they're going to actually buy, do you think that GMOs are the future? Do you think they're going to take us to be able to feed all these people? I mean, nine, 10 billion people in 2050 is a large, large number. So do you think the GMOs are the answer? Or do you think that there's another way that we can feed everybody with a shrinking um, amount of land? In my opinion, GMOs are part of the answer. But I do think, you know, people don't always realize and are not always educated like the general consumer and things aren't realizing what that means. There are 10 GMO plants total. Like not every crop is GMO and consumers need to understand that. And you know, the significance of the ones that are GMO and why they are GMO, you know, what that means. Does that mean increased yields? Does that mean less pesticide use? Does that mean, you know, safer foods to eat essentially? And so I think that's important as agriculturalists that we're able to educate the consumer on that. But 
In terms of the answer to feeding this population, GMOs are part of it. I don't think GMOs are suitable for the entire globe. Here in the United States, we have a very efficient form of industrial agriculture, but you go places like you know some of your third world countries in Africa, and you can't count on GMOs being the solution because they don't have the technology and the knowledge to execute what needs to be done associated with planting those GMOs. So, you know, in that aspect, you're looking at more of those organic small farms that are going to be more subsistence farming. So that means, you know, those farmers are providing for their family and their local community. They're not trying to provide for the world. You count on those industrial nations instead to do that. Absolutely. And I think that GMOs are going to definitely be an important part, but I don't think they're the save all Hail Mary, like this is what's going to bring us home. Um, now, as far as trends go, I've seen that there's a trend starting to happen and it's been happening the last couple of years where people start growing their own food at home. Hey, let's start gardening. I know when COVID hit, I had a lot of friends calling me and texting me saying, so how do you grow a garden? <laughs> um, and I was absolutely loving to help them, and that's something that I found joy in. But do you think that the average consumer, the average American growing this produce at home is going to help solve that issue? Or do you think that's something that's going to be a little bit minimalistic and that's not going to make that big of an impact? I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, I think that it's great because people realize the production practices, at least on a small scale, that go behind the food they eat every day, and they're more in tune with the food that they're eating and they can appreciate that differently. But at the same time, I think the agricultural industry as a whole is losing significance because people think that they can do it themselves. And hmm. as much as people want to believe that their small garden is going to, you know, be substantial enough for their family, which it might be, but you cannot produce all of your needs. We're not in a climate that you can grow everything you might need to consume or even want to consume. I mean, we all have human desires and here in the United States, you know, as wealth increases, those desires are also going to increase and um, buying into those desires will increase. So I think that's important to realize too. Um, I think, you know, we have to focus on mitigating the impacts of misconceptions and poor public perceptions. If we overcome that, then I do think that the small gardens and the family farms are going to make a huge difference because it's going to bring everyone together. It's going to help the consumer understand their food, understand what they're eating, how it got there and why it's on their plate today. Absolutely. And that's one of those things that I think as we educate consumers, um, it becomes a lot easier to understand what goes into it. And it becomes a lot easier to respect what's going on behind the scenes. You know, this zucchini didn't just come from Kroger. Like, right. <laughs> like somebody had to grow it, somebody had to harvest it, and somebody had to bring it there. And there's a lot that goes into it before it actually reaches that dinner plate, which is why I think a lot of people are starting to go pushing and going more towards the eat local, buy from your local family farm, buy from a farmer's market, so on and so forth. But still as that movement grows, there's still a lot of people out there that are not, and there's a lot of consumers that might not be educated on what's going on in the agriculture industry. So my question is, as far as legislation and making a push and getting out there and talking about it, what do you think the best way to educate somebody that is three or four generations removed from a farm never set a foot anywhere near a garden, what's the best way to educate them where their food comes from? Because they don't have that direct contact. They can't go down and put their hands in soil. So how can we teach them where the food comes from and show them the processes of what it truly takes to get from farm to plate? 
I really, I don't think there's an end-all be-all solution to that question. I wish there was. Um, I think there's a couple initiatives that would help though. I think introducing agriculture um, as a core subject of some sort would be very beneficial through the K-12 education system. I also think that extension services are so directed towards our you know, local farmers and agriculturalists that they're missing the opportunity to connect with the wider community. I think working you know, with other organizations and things like that will allow them to connect to that larger community and educate on agricultural topics, agricultural issues, and, and provide the understanding of how their food got on their plate. Um, I also think that it's important that we as agriculturalists are not closed off to the concept of bringing under, or bringing consumers onto the farm and educating them in that way. So they see the hands-on perspective and they put a face to where their food's coming from. It's not just a machine, it's not just a factory. Um, I think that's a common misconception is that we're factory farming and that is not the case at all. Um, so I, I do think it's important that we start working in that way. Um, I actually read an article here recently and one of the biggest ways that uh, urban consumers, general public, is able to change their vision of agriculture is through niche markets and specialty markets. So, you know, you have those tourist um, based farms or agritourism um, is so important because it's, it's an attraction for the public to attend, but it's educating them at the same time. So, you know, goat yoga and corn mazes and fruit farms and things of that nature have such a hold on educating the public on agricultural issues. And I think we often, you know, don't even think about that as being an avenue for, for that education piece that's so necessary. Sure, and that's definitely one thing that I know personally I've been able to do is inform some um, consumers just about what happens. And, you know, I had somebody ask me, is your sweet corn GMO? And I'm like, well, actually, believe it or not, there is no GMO sweet corn varieties that we can actually purchase. So, unfortunately, you're not going to find any. So, while I do appreciate you asking, I can't give you a solid answer that, yeah, it, there's no GMO corn that I would be able to grow and sell you anyways. Um, and it's one of those things that sometimes when coming from a farm, you're blown away by these questions, but simply they don't know. And that's not their fault. You know, you can't expect somebody who's never grown up a farm or never been around one to understand the things that go into agronomy or go into livestock. And so informing them without belittling them has always been something that I've really enjoyed because I'm like, you know, I can teach somebody about what my life is. I've only ever known farming, livestock, and the agricultural industry, but they have no clue what happens behind the scenes, behind the grocery store shelves. They don't know. And that's really cool for me to say, hey, look at everything we're doing. And they're like, wow, there's a whole other side of things that I never knew. So I know we've been diving into some of these like really deep conversations <laughs> and how can we fix the world with agriculture and what exactly uh, can we do? And I'm gonna leave off on that subject with one last question. Um, so with the growing push for bringing agriculture into urban areas or into cities, I know at least at home, I've seen a lot of pop-up greenhouses or a lot of places that have gone to vertical farming where they'll take a old factory, they will repurpose that and they'll put hydroponics or aquaponics or some type of growing um, ability there in that factory and they'll start producing lettuces or different vegetables. How do you feel that that will impact the agricultural industry as far as bringing those fresh fruits and vegetables into those cities um, and being grown in those vertical integration uh, systems? First, I think it's, it's very important to note that the demand 
for the products that come from these urban farming systems and vertical farming systems is not high enough that it's a solution for everything. But I do think it is a excellent solution for the places where we see those food deserts. Um, I spent some time out west this summer, Nebraska, Colorado, um, Kansas, Wyoming, and I never realized that you know those grocery stores are few and far between. Um, and in some of those cities, you don't have that fresh produce and things like that. And so I think these urban farming systems and vertical farming systems should be used in those areas to increase that fresh produce and the accessibility and the understanding of of that fresh produce and where it's coming from for the consumer. Um, and, and that's so essential just to human health here in the United States. I think it's an important health policy that we should be pushing for aside from agriculture. Um, in terms of the urban and uh, more suburban populations, it comes back to that's a great opportunity to educate. And, and like you said, avoid belittling them. And, and that's a great environment to do that because it's not overwhelming. It's a small scale. It's understandable. It's you know, innovative and full of technology that's super interesting to, to our consumers. And so that opens the door for the agriculture industry to come in and, and connect with that consumer. So I think that's really important. Um, and I think every little bit helps, you know, you just have to take it step by step and appreciate those little wins, even if it's not, you know, the solution to feed the world and the solution to educate every consumer. Absolutely. And it's all about one step at a time. I mean, uh, my favorite saying that I've ever been told when working on a hard project is, well, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> one bite at a time. Uh, there's no just uh, hitting it and getting everything done at the uh, one bite. You got to take small bites and you got to get there slow and steady. And, you know, one of the things I think I appreciate most about actually going to Wilmington is the fact that the agricultural um, professors and just the entire sector is so outgoing. Like they, they want you to learn. They want you to figure it out for yourself. They want you to explore. They want you to be curious. And that's something that coming here is really, really interesting to me because I've been in ag my entire life, but I've learned things in my first two semesters here that I would have never known. And so if I'm learning things, then those people that might have not have been involved as nearly as I have or had been involved even more than myself, they're learning things too. And so if everybody's learning, then we're all getting better. And if we're all getting better, then we're taking that step closer to getting to meeting our goals. So as far as your experiences here at Wilmington, I know you've been here for three years now, and that's really, really impactful on your um, time and what you've done. What would you recommend for a person coming into Wilmington or a first-year member as they're coming in? What would you give them advice for? What would you recommend? As overrated as this may be, say yes say yes to those opportunities because you grow in the classroom and you learn in the classroom in 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 those interactions with your professors but when you take those opportunities to travel to go to a conference to attend a seminar of some sort or you know speak in front of a crowd of any sort you know you grow and you learn and you're pushed out of your comfort zone and you're going to look back at you know your college career and you're gonna say how in the heck did I change from the person I was when I walked in here to the person I will be when I walk out and I think that's so impactful you have to say yes and you can't be afraid of those opportunities absolutely and I think some of the seniors that I've been influenced by this year that have told me hey go out and say yes I'm doing a podcast and so this <laughs> is really cool to see that you know so I'm saying yes and I'm getting involved and I'm really enjoying it and it's become a family and it's one of those things that I really appreciate because if I didn't have seniors or I didn't have upperclassmen telling me, hey, go get involved, go do something, go find your people, then it wouldn't feel like home. 
And when I first came here, they're like, hey, welcome home. I'm like, this isn't home. <laughs> Home's, you know, in Somerville, Ohio. What, what am I doing here? And uh, when I got involved and I found my people and I started doing things, I'm like, this is home. And that's really cool. Yeah. It's really, really neat to see how it all is tied together. So my very last thing before we're done here is uh, what would you say out of everything that you've done at Wilmington is going to be your prize takeaway? What is the number one thing that you'll say, I'm so glad that I went to Wilmington because I came away with blank? I came away with unforgettable experiences and opportunities. I mean, you know, I was such a home buddy when I came in and I was like, I'm never leaving Johnstown, Ohio. That's, you know, where I'm going to live the rest of my life. And here I am about to graduate and, you know, getting ready to move to Iowa, which is 10 and a half hours away from home. It's just, it's crazy that I have the confidence and the capability to just up and leave and push myself out of my comfort zone in that way. Um, Last summer, I moved 16 hours away from home, and I didn't know a soul, and that was just crazy, but I wasn't scared to do that anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's taking that leap of faith in Wilmington has given me the courage and the confidence to, you know, step past that line that I've drawn for myself and say, you know, we don't need to stay in our comfort zone anymore. We need to step out of it. That's really cool. That's I think that this entire interview has been a testament to what you've been able to do and also all of your successes, but also what Wilmington is able to provide. And I think that's one of the biggest things about the senior send-off is just hearing these stories and figuring out what you've done and where you've been. And it's even a self-reflection as we go through and talk about it. Hey, what have I done and where have I gone? But thank you for coming on and I really appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. I appreciate being here today. Those were some inspiring words from Caroline and something that I think we can all relate to. I really enjoyed talking about the different issues that are facing the agricultural industry and something that we can all move forward towards each and every day. Tune in next Tuesday for another episode of The Dirt.